You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Hey, Greg, I have a movie pitch for you. It's a satirical, nihilistic comedy about a comet heading directly towards Earth, and no one wants to do anything about it, but it's also loaded with, like, an all-star cast. Uh, I don't care about that. According to Twitter, Tom Holland didn't get Zendaya anything for her birthday. What? No, Greg, are you listening to me? This is a cool movie. Scott, Scott, do you want to hear my bitch movie? Comet coming to Earth? It's like a comedy, kind of Doctor Strange love vibes? No, I don't think that's going to play well with our target demographic. Uh, you're really shooting yourself in the foot here, man. You need to listen to me. Whoa, listen- whoa, whoa. Liam, you're bringing a lot of negativity to me right now. I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies as suggested by you. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are discussing the 2021 film, Don't Look Up. Um, It's 2021, by the way. We got, uh, or good lord. (laughs) It's, still, it's not 2021 anymore. <laughs> it, to be it's fair, 2022. It, it kind of feels like 2020 still. <laughs> yeah. You said that with such enthusiasm, like it was an insight. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> well, yeah, it's happy, happy New Year, fellas. It's it's one of those years. About the same as, as 2020. Feels that way. It feels like we've kind of warped backwards into the beginning of the pandemic. So that, that's that been fun. I've somebody, enjoyed that part of the, the Christmas holiday season. Somebody posted a uh, a pandemic calendar uh, that actually is still in 2020, and it's like the 568th day of 2020 or something since yeah. the pandemic started, uh, of May since the pandemic started. So uh, seems appropriate. Yeah, I saw that. That was pretty good. That was a pretty good that's gag. Good. Yeah, I mean... Came into the new year, uh, had a pretty decent holiday break, but busy, feeling a little drained, honestly, coming into this week. Not a very yeah, restful a, time off. Yeah, there's a real, uh, it's just sort of weird vibe in the air. The gestalt is uh, is ooky, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, t- I took two weeks of vacation starting on like the 20th. And uh, we had like a COVID scare in the middle of that, that sort of like fucked up our holiday. And uh, so most of my two week vacation was spent stressing and uh, and worrying about passing along a virus to uh, our parents and things like that. So yeah, I didn't really get any relaxation until about the about three days before New Year's. Um, so, so I kind of feel like I need another vacation. I don't necessarily feel drained though. like I did I did fit in quite a few mov- movies uh, during my vacation, which was kind of a bit refreshing. I was, determined to watch some good ones and i did i actually i watched uh, ghostbusters afterlife and that was 
pretty surprisingly good. Hmm. Although I, I I do think we could do it for the for the show as well. It's not it's far from it's not perfect. that good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually had a similar situation because Anita got a little bit sick before Christmas, and then she apparently passed it on to our young infant daughter infant mm-hmm. toddler daughter uh and then of course her brother caught it and then of course i caught it so by like the by early last week week before uh we were all pretty sick and we ended up missing a bunch of christmas stuff and uh it's been it's been an interesting time fortunately not covid just everybody had a cold but yeah. still colds are miserable so yeah 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 uh, speaking of miserable, I'm going to call this out now uh, for our listeners. I'm, I'm what I can only assume is a a full game of like touch football is happening in the uh, suite above mine. Um, so if you hear weird rumblings and ramblings, um, my upstairs. Anyone who lives in an apartment gets it, and anyone who lives in a house can sit there smug and pleased with themselves. But uh, yeah, upstairs neighbors are being loud. Nothing I can do about it. So. No worries. I I will try and cut out as much as of it I can if we if I can. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I I keep getting frustrated every time I see them, and so I raise my eyes to the roof in frustration. Uh, and I got to remind myself to don't look up. Uh, <laughs> segway, <laughs> segway, killer segway. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're talking. Uh, we're talking. Don't look up. The the very recent film uh, that was uh, wasn't so this season. We've we've a uh, uh, sort of. Uh, aspire to take your suggestions for films uh we got a big list of them uh and if you got more we'll add them to the list we do a little vote on it on our social media uh and that's the the movie we do each week uh, but this this movie coming into the new year was just so ding dang divisive uh had all the people talking we we thought let's strike while the uh, iron's hot so let's strike while the algorithm's hot and uh do a <laughs> yeah. do a don't look up episode and we return to our regularly scheduled uh, voted on by you movies uh, in the coming weeks. But to be uh, fair, yeah. we did ask the audience's permission. Yes. <laughs> if we, we, if we, we could do this movie to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And I'm glad you said yes. Cause I, uh, I might not have actually have watched this, even though it's kind of hyped. I might not have watched it had it not been for the podcast and I mostly enjoyed it. Yeah. I didn't hate it for sure. I was, yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect, and it was, you know, I was seeing a lot of buzz about it, and the buzz was quite polarizing, which obviously made me think immediately of doing it for the show, um, and I also, I don't, I, I don't want to say that I found I found myself liking it reluctantly, uh, maybe, maybe just surprised that I was digging it so much, um, particularly with how... I think it's fair to say that this movie is obnoxious, um, but I kind of like uh, fell into the obnoxiousness a little bit and just kind of started to enjoy what it was laying down for me. Yeah, about halfway through the movie, Anita turned to me and said, there's still over an hour left in this movie, and I don't know that I like it. And at the end of the movie, she turned to me and said, I liked the last hour and a bit of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere in act two it clicked for her and she started to really enjoy it yeah yeah is, it, uh, oh good 
I it it um I actually found um the experience of it to be its own like little arc, you know. <laughs> at first I was at first I felt a little confused, then I felt a little frustrated, and then I started to settle in, and then by the end I, I it was actually kind of sweet and poignant. Yeah, I think that's uh that's apt and there's there's part reading some of the discourse on this, I there's a little there's a little part of me that I think a lot of people are trying to say they like the people who didn't like this film are trying to play it like come at come at it with film criticisms, right? Performances over the top, too long. This was the two on the nose or too too not mm-hmm. funny enough. People keep saying it's yeah. not funny enough. And I think there's a good healthy layer of just like you just didn't like that this is a hard pill to swallow. That this isn't a feel good funny movie. I think there's just a lot of people that didn't like a lot of people who didn't like this movie, I feel like had some don't look up energy. Like they didn't want to look <laughs> at the comet, like wanted to be reminded that the comet's coming. Um, yeah. And especially because it ends on such a bummer. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people too were like, the movie didn't end happy. And it's like, it's not gonna. No. <laughs> I, I, I think um, maybe this movie frustrated a lot of people with the overtop performances um the trouble is is like that was kind of the point mm-hmm. is like you're you're meant to be extremely frustrated um you're you're meant to feel the same things that you do when you watch the news every day yeah um, you're 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 meant to really empathize with uh dr mindy and kate and uh dr oglethorpe for that matter who are very reasonable people trying to do very reasonable things and are being obstructed at every turn by idiocy and (laughs) short-sighted thinking and selfishness like absurdity they are met with absurdity um which is i feel like one of the funniest criticisms i've seen levied against this movie of like well, it's just like the satire is so on the nose. It's so one to one. It's hard to it's hard to satirize something um, that's already what's happening and is absurd. I'm like, I think that's the point. Like the fact that the president character is not that much of a stretch from the last president we had is the absurd is the satire. Like they don't have to heighten it. They just have to go like, look how easily this clicks in one to one. Like yeah. Yeah, I mean, they even get her to wear the hat, you know? It's yeah. Like- <laughs> and there's a million examples, not just her, of, of just, like, so so much of what they're implying with the, with the like, okay, it's not it's not a comet, it's climate change, it's COVID, it's whatever. Um, the, the one-to-one on the nosedness of it, I think, is the point, is the satire. Um, but yeah, again, I've seen I, a lot I, of... I think I, I think I agree with you, and I, like... Which I think um, makes, you know, repitching this movie exceedingly difficult because those are also the things that I find it I found distasteful about the movie, right? Okay. Like it's because it is it is frustrating you on purpose, and like my normal instinct would be like, okay, well let's let's uh, scrap that and and make this movie more palatable. But uh, I I'm genuinely unsure how the second half of this show is going to go because of that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I have uh, I have some tweaks. I have some things that I I didn't like in the movie that I would I would change. <laughs> I mean, I have a few too, but I think it is that like just that inclination you have of like how do we make this more palatable 
again is kind of the message of the movie because how many times throughout yeah. the movie do they say like you need media training you need to to put a more positive we try to keep things fun here on the morning show this is a fun podcast guys let's talk about fun <laughs> nice thing right like yeah um, it, it, I, i'm worried that I, I i would fall into that sort of um movie critic valley where you were you know this like i i want to I want the movie to to show me what I want to see, and and like that's not necessarily what makes a good movie. Like a good movie, um, you know, just throws something at you and then makes you deal with it, right? I think that's yeah. a, in large part why a lot of blockbusters uh, don't um, necessarily end up being that particularly memorable is because they are trying to give you what they think you want to see and Mm -hmm. and when you know that's that's just not interesting at all right yeah let's uh for anyone who may not be familiar who because this also broke like blockbuster oh no sorry this also broke uh netflix like watch records so um i'm assuming most people listening to this have seen it but just in case you haven't uh also spoilers obviously um, but, uh, the, just the details of course, uh, came out this year or last year, 2021. I did it again. Damn it. Um, don't look up some 2021 directed by Adam McKay, uh, of, uh, both the big short and anchorman fame. Uh, did all those, uh, Will Ferrell movies, uh, in the, in the aughts and then went on to do like big short and vice, which I also really liked vice. Uh, and then of course stars Leonardo DiCaprio, it's Dr. Randall Mindy, Jennifer Lawrence as Kate DiBiaschi, the comet's named after, uh, Meryl Streep as uh, the president, President Orlean, uh, as well as Kate Blanchett, Rob Morgan, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet. Uh, uh, embarrassment of riches. In, yeah, just in a cast. stacked cast. Yeah. Let's uh, let's just, uh, throw to the trailer now, so we can get back into to, uh, discussing this. Because yeah, lots to lots to cover. This is not real. This is not real. This is not real. This isn't happening. Kate, uh, tell me this isn't really happening. I hear there's uh, something you don't like the looks of. We discovered a very large comet. Oh, good for you. It's headed directly towards Earth. This comet is what we call a planet killer. At this exact moment, I say we sit tight and assess. Sit tight? and assess sit tight and then assess the sit tight part comes first then you got to digest it that's the assessment period this is the worst news in the history of humanity he just blew us off what are we gonna do we have to release the information so we just leak it our guests today have made a pretty big discovery in space how big is this thing going? I can't destroy my ex-wife's house. Is that possible? <laughs> there is a 100% chance that we're all going to die. Hey, hey. Well, the handsome astronomer can come back anytime, but the yelling lady, mm, not, so not so much. Kate DiBiaschi, an astronomy grad student, and her professor, Dr. Randall Mindy, make an astounding discovery. A new comet the size of Mount Everest. The problem? It's on a direct collision course with Earth. The other problem, no one seems to care. Turns out warning mankind about a planet killer is an inconvenient pill to swallow. Kate and Dr. Mindy embark on a quest which takes them from the office of an indifferent president to the airwaves of an upbeat morning show, trying to get people to do something. With only six months until the comet makes impact, managing the 24-hour news cycle and gaining the attention of the social media-obsessed public before it's too late, proves shockingly comical 
Yeah, that uh, summary comes us from us from IMDb. I didn't write that. Um, I usually take a piss out of the movies, but uh, <laughs> for for whatever reason, I just felt like it was better just to lay the 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 markers out clearly uh, before we uh, get into the discussion. Plus, I didn't want to, you know, try and make jokes about a movie that's patently absurd. <laughs> it felt like it would be very difficult for me to be yeah. able to do that. <clears throat> no, that's uh, that's valid. Did did either of you? think this movie was funny because again some of the discourse i have read is like it's not funny and i'm like i how, yeah how do you how do you feel re funniness i think that uh there are definitely funny parts of it um not all of the jokes landed for me personally and uh that's just individual taste i would assume but overall like i found it pretty funny but i also have a pretty dark sense of humor <laughs> so um yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, I, I I know that I laughed out loud once, and it was some, it was some joke that um, uh, by Jonah Hill, and it had something to do with social media. But even at this point, I don't remember it, so I guess it wasn't as as funny as I remembered it. So yeah, it's um, yeah, I don't I don't remember being yeah uh, it tickling my funny bone a whole lot. Let's let's put this in perspective for you. I found the big short funny. Yeah. For very similar reasons to why I found this movie funny. Um, and it's not funny, haha, it's funny cringe, oh god, we're all going to die. Because the alternative is to cry. Um yeah. <laughs> but that's but that's the that's the kind of that's the the way the humor was hitting me in this movie, and that's why I'm likening it to the big short, which again, I also thought was a funny movie. I also um, she, uh, if you watch the Hannah Gatsby special, speaking of Netflix originals, uh, she talks about the thing in comedy of like, re- like drawing up tension, winding up tension and releasing it. And I feel like a lot of the moments in this were, f- that were funny were less so much like make you laugh out loud, haha, and more like take some of the tenseness and at the right time, give you a little release. That's like more of a back to normal than a elated ha ha ha. Uh, like when she ends up with the bag on her head a second time, like she's just oh, this, yeah. the scene cuts. She's got the bag on her head, and the two of them are leading in the car door. Like, sorry, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have done that, Kate. Like little little cuts in the editing, little like tonal shifts. Oh. I thought kept it from being a full blown morose tragedy. I quite um, liked the fact that she could she was hung up for six months on the fact that this general grifted them at the white house. Like she keeps bringing up the fact that this general stiffed them for 20 bucks. (laughs) You know what I love about the general bit? Not only was it a funny thing that we get, like every act had a reference to the, to the general, how the general charged them for snacks, which was funny. Um, It's also these little details that I think a lot of people maybe over, overlook that I, this movie had a lot of uh, um, details. It's that whole interaction with the general is foreshadowing the fact that people with privileged information will use it to profit every time. Yep. Yeah. Um, they learn in the first trip to the White House that they are going to get sold out for money by people who know more than them. And it's yeah. also a recurring joke. I just, yeah, it's, yeah. there's, there's subtlety. The, the humor in this is a little more like <clears throat> subtle and pace, pace wise than like full blown punchline. And for that, I liked it. I mm, see. I'm not sure that I entirely agree with that because the there's uh, like particularly in the first 
um, lighthouse scene. Like I know, you know, you're you're meeting the president and the chief of staff, and their reaction to the news that there's a a comet heading straight for Earth that's an extinction level event is uh, patently absurd. I mean, she's worried about you know there being what how it'll affect the the midterms and things like that. And Jonah Hill's character is just um, completely dismissive. But I get the sense that, like, um, the way that that scene is is written, um, I, I felt like I was supposed to be laughing at the things that, like, Jonah Hill and Meryl Streep were saying, um, but I wasn't. And, like, this is part of the ride that I was on for the movie because I found them so obnoxious and frustrating that... Um, I was a little. It felt like a little bit like tonal whiplash because the the start of the the start of the film was you know fairly straight. You know, there's um, there's kind of like a little bit of a a funny bit where they're freaking out about the fact that like the comet is heading straight for Earth. Um, but again, like I I wasn't laughing at it. Uh, it just it didn't really work for me on on that on, on a comedy level. But I I did feel like the movie thought it did. You know, <laughs> and so I, yeah, that's. It took me a while to to settle into into the the kind of I think purposeful tonal whiplash that the movie kept laying down. Do you think that scene would be funnier on a second watch? Mm. I don't know. They're really obnoxious, Liam. Like <laughs> I, I thought they're like, I thought they're, they're hilarious. Really, here's yeah. the thing: <laughs> for me, part of the humor with the scenes with uh, with Jonah Hill and Meryl Streep wasn't what they were doing. It was the reactions of the reasonable people to what they were doing. What they mm-hmm. were doing wasn't nece- was was inherently obnoxious and ridiculous. And the reasonable people around them reacting like reasonable people was where, for me, the humor came from. Yeah. See, and I I thought they were just like, yep, these are there are people walking around in our world right now who are at who upon hearing this news would say these incredibly obnoxious and absurd things and to me that was what was funny i'm like this is believably obnoxious this is all of this checks out <laughs> um that like someone going oh so so it's not 100 percent, it's 97 percent. okay so then there's a ch- it's like come on oh man. you're from like you're from michigan state yeah let's get some harvard people on this let's get some harvard people yeah like the whole yeah so again, the, the the word tone has come up a bit. Do you think maybe that's where some of um like you were you were Greg you were discussing like having to settle into it, yeah. Um, getting on board with the like weird tone. Um, Scott, you had a great observation before we started recording that I'd love you to share again. <laughs> Re uh, uh, Anchorman and The Big Short. Yeah, it's uh when it it didn't the nickel didn't drop until I saw um that it was written and directed by Adam McKay, who also did the big short and Anchorman literally spelt out in the little script we have in front of me when I was like, Oh, the big short and Anchorman that explains why it kind of almost feels like there are two movies happening at the same time sometimes, because some of the characters like the president and uh, her son and uh, Mark Rylance's character, Peter Isherwell feel like they're characters out of Anchorman. Whereas the more reasonable characters like Kate and Dr. Mindy and Dr. Oglethorpe feel like they're characters out of the big short and they've somehow ended up in the same movie and are bouncing off of one another. Mm -hmm. 
and that also yeah I, I i would agree with that and also i feel like that every day of my life <laughs> that i'm dealing with absurdly stupid narcissistic selfish people all around me and especially in power like the world is run by uh, uh ron burgundy's like it's it, it, it it's it <sighs> You can't see Greg and I both nodding to what Liam just yeah. said. <laughs> yeah, I I, 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 I think that's the that's the tragedy of the of the film is just, um, and I think that that is is kind of what makes in the end that's what make it makes it made it work so well for me is that uh, you know uh, the you we you know, we're following um, you know Randall Mindy as he's kind of being pulled in by the absurdity and it, and he sort of eventually kind of embraces it um yeah. you know he, it's, it, it's because his character is very much the well I'll try to work with the system yeah and um so he ends up selling out more and more and more because he thinks he can help uh up until the point where he realizes he's never going to be able to <laughs> yeah. he has his heel realization he's the he's the centrist <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah. But it it's interesting. To to- it's interesting to me because Kate is very much uh, like the polar opposite of Meryl Streep's character. She's very grounded. She's very reasonable. She's also very clearly on the opposite end of the political spectrum, uh, and she's portrayed as someone who keeps putting her foot in her mouth. Like she could be trying to make friends to help save the world but instead she keeps belittling and uh and insulting people <laughs> which i thought yeah. was which i thought was interesting that was an actual character thing where i was like oh she's actually not helping herself like <laughs> yeah. because she can't Having help but because she can't help but call these people stupid because they're stupid and she has that no filter self could be a, a fairly you know you know, reasonable criticism of the left as well. You know, if it, if that's who her character is supposed to be. Yeah, just just the fact that they had two main characters and each one kind of goes their own way. I think worked was a canny choice, better than just trying to do it with one scientist banging his head against the wall. Yeah, well, and the two sort of reactions. Well, and neither Mindy nor uh, Kate's uh, reactions are perfect. Like both of them make mm-hmm. bad decisions in the movie. And mm-hmm. I think that's also very humanizing and realistic for them because at one point Kate just gives up yeah. and like kind of embraces nihilism for a while. And she, she snaps out of it around the same time that Dr. Mindy gets his head out of his butt too. But, uh, and then of course he falls into the celebrity culture and ends up having an affair and uh, tries to work with a system that's just, it's not a functional system and he thinks he can yeah. somehow work within it. Um, so yeah, they, they both, they both take their own path, but they also both make bad decisions along the way. Yeah. And for, for Dr. Mindy, like it, it eventually leads to the most cathartic moment of the movie when he is finally on um, the daily rip, the, uh, the, the fake Fox news show mm-hmm. and, and just loses it. He has um, his uh, and, he has his network moment. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I'm mad as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the it it um it really like it, for me it's just like the kind of thing that you wish um 
a reasonable politician would do, you know, at yeah. a certain point. It would like, would you, would you just please freak out about this a little yeah. bit and just like, and just tell people like it is, you know? That's, um, I think that's why I like this movie so much. The whole thing, even though it's like, it doesn't offer any solutions, just the fact that. Adam McKay and company were gesturing wildly at everything around us in the form <laughs> of a movie. I'm like, thank God someone else sees this. Cause I feel like I'm in a, a, a uh, you feel a, like you're taking a, crazy pills. Yeah. I feel like I'm taking, like everyone else is losing their mind. And it was, it was just cathartic to see yeah. other people be like, look at how stupid everyone else is being. And, and, yeah, I, I uh, you know, I, I saw a few. We talked mentioned it earlier. Uh, criticisms of the movie who th- thought the ending was uh, a bummer, and 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 it is, in the sense that humanity is lost. the The world ends, <laughs> and it is hit by the uh, the big massive comet. Um, uh, but I I kind of disagree that like it's it's a detriment. Um, and yeah. I actually, I actually think that the ending is, is kind of hopeful for me because the, the last scene is this sort of beautiful scene where Leonardo DiCaprio's family are sitting down to dinner and, um, Kate DiBiaschi shows up and Teddy Oglethorpe show up and they're all having like this one last, um, nice meal together and, you know, there's this moment about uh, where they talk about the effort that they put in to to stop the comet, and mm-hmm. and there's a there's a moment where they said, you know, boy did we try, and like yeah, oh man, did we ever try, and that was the part that was really uplifting to me is that there wasn't no one gave up, you know, like even in the face of the of overwhelming odds and in the face of um overwhelmingly horrible leadership and banging your heads against the wall like everyone kept trying as hard as they could to fix the problem and even Mm -hmm. in even in failure there was redemption in that and and that to me is 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 the true message of the movie you know yeah it's it's the same reason rocky's good they're well (laughs) they 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 go out with dignity it in a way. The boxing match—it's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Scott. <laughs> the the heroes of the movie go out with their humanity and their dignity in it intact in a way that the villains don't. And mm-hmm. I think that that's that's telling of where the movie stands on what's going on. And it is kind of a beautiful final scene with them, honestly. Um, and I, I quite liked it. I, I have issues with the ending that I will address, but I quite liked it. I also have issues with the the literal ending. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. But yeah, that that scene, I, I like that much. Read on it much better than my read on it, Greg. Because as much as I was been going to bat for this movie for the last twenty minutes, your interpretation of it, I think, is much more wholesome than what I took away with it, which is just like. Mine was much more of a like a kind of a Christmas Carol vibe of like. If we all continue to either act stupidly and absurdly or let stupid, absurd people run roughshod over our world, the best we can hope for is to gather our our, uh, uh, meager wealth, 
enjoy it, and then die with our family in hand. That's if we let if we let this keep happening. That's our best case scenario. Um, which again, I felt I took a little um, uh, sort of like nihilistic catharsis in. But uh, you're reading, I, I, I like that much better than just like. <laughs> I can be an optimist at times. Yeah. You know, we've we've <laughs> talked a, a little bit about uh, Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill, and uh, we have yet to actually talk about Mark Rylance as Peter yes. Isherwell, tech bro billionaire, uh, who kind is of somehow the marriage of Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, and, and Elon Jeff Bezos Musk and Jeff Bezos. Yeah. He's yeah. he's every tech bro. He's every bad trait from every tech bro rolled into one. It's fantastic. Uh, and I, I loved his portrayal. Number one, I love that he's basically running the government. Like mm-hmm. he, he walks in and then like calls president Orlean to heal like a dog. Um, yeah. he, uh, he's incredibly, uh, he, all of his decisions are short sighted, which is perfect. Um, he's full of crap. Uh, like he's like, oh, well, I'm gonna, I'm a visionary, and I'm gonna make the world better, and we're gonna get rid of inequality. Yeah, but you've you've retained the rights to mine all of that precious ore for yourself. You've cut out everybody else. So mm-hmm. how is that wealth being spread around? And he's wrong. That's the best part. Is he's wrong when he tells Doctor Mindy he's going to die alone. He's wrong. Yeah. I forgot about that. Fuck yeah. There's so many little payoffs in this movie, little things they set up and pay off. Because yeah. Dr. Mindy dies with his loved ones and his friends. That That's That sad. is actually the one joke that I that I really appreciated because it had a long setup there's that there's what it feels like a throwaway line where he he says that we can you know our our app can predict how you die and then he tells president Orlean that like you're going to get you're going to get killed by a Brontorox. We we don't know what that means, and like again, like that's sort of foreshadowing into the fact that like they this company is actually incompetent. Um, uh, and then of course at the at the end of the movie, then when they do arrive on a on another planet, she gets killed by what they assume is called a Brontorox. And I did like that joke. Uh, uh, Liam is sneering. <laughs> <laughs> nope, don't nope. Think he, don't think he oh, I just my my notes involve changing that joke entirely. Yeah, okay. do mine for, in for fact. just just to pay off a different detail that I liked better. So, okay, and I I, I just I think that there should be a different fate for the for the rich people personally. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was fine with them going to a planet and dying. That's <laughs> works. For I me. mean, I mean, I love that their plan is still short sighted and stupid because even even. Uh, Isherwell's plan B get on a sleeper ship and go to another planet is like half the people die (laughs) on the way. Um, They, they land with like no tools, no infrastructure. They're not even wearing any clothes. They didn't check the, the oxygen content of the planet before they disembarked from the ship. (laughs) And they're all old people. (laughs) How are they going to repopulate the human race? They're all old rich people. It's terrible. It's a terrible plan. And I will admit, I do like that, but I still want to change the ending. (laughs) Well, sounds like uh, now's as good a time as any to get into our changes. We'll be back uh, after some uh, message from the Alberta Podcast Network with our fixes, keeps, cuts, and what have yous for Don't Look Up. Taproot publishes weekly roundups on a variety of topics, including media, food, 
tech, health innovation, arts, music, regional news, business, and city council. Taproot's curators gather up the headlines and happenings on these files and deliver them directly to your inbox. You can get one or two for free. If you want more, become a Taproot member, then you can get as many as you want, plus other perks for just $10 a month or $100 a year. Get more information right now at taprootedmonton.ca. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. Um, I'd actually like to start off, since we were talking about the, the Bronte Rock joke, that's, <laughs> I don't have a lot of notes for this movie. I don't know how to f- chain, like, so much of it, I feel, clicks together and is, like, if nothing else, part of the, the creator's vision, be it Adam McKay or just the crew at large, um, that I feel like it's a bit of a, a Jenga puzzle if you try to pull too many pieces out, other things fall. So my mm-hmm. notes are pretty minor. So, the Bronte Rock joke. I like it. I also get why they ended on that, like having, because the ending is such a bummer, like they all die at dinner, having a a sort of, the villains get their comeuppance in a lighthearted way, I think was a nice, like, sweet palate cleanser for the dark ending. Kind of lifts, lifts you back up a little bit. I was talking about that, like, it's not haha funny, but it like brings you back to neutral. um, Fair. uh, to, To that. That being said, one of my favorite details in this movie was that um meryl streep's character president Orlean, smokes they talk about how she smokes a whole bunch and that's just a great detail of course a smoke like i don't want a smoker in charge of climate change that's a very fatalistic behavior that is clearly someone who is knowingly taking actions that is shortening their lives and does not seem to care no offense to any of our smoker listeners but also you know you know <laughs> I, I also smoke cannabis i'm not that far behind you um but like it is is a fatalistic behavior to smoke so great detail with that character i loved it i feel like that could have you could have got the same brontorock joke without the word brontorock and just been like okay tell she when she's like okay tell me tell me how i die and he's like oh lung failure and she's like i'm a smoker i guess yeah okay fuck sure uh and then she dies of lung failure but it's not because of um you know lung poisoning or, or, or uh, lung cancer uh either the cryo malfunctions mm-hmm. and literally she has no oxygen or they get to the planet and there is no oxygen or there's like <laughs> like she breathes in i think she just breathes in a weird flower that rots her lungs yeah or like a smoke monster or something and it's the same payoff it's the same like we see her die the way he told her he would die um but it just like keeps the the she's a smoker ball in the air because that was just yeah. a nice detail yeah so yeah, I mean that also that also work, like if if the if the planet has no auction and I guess that also works because you because they want you want all of the rich people to die in the end rather than yeah. being killed by alien creatures or whatever they they just all suffocate or something like that. It might be <laughs> I guess visually that might be That's why I like uh, the flower. Maybe, I think if it, Yeah. Instead of them getting their face bit by a weird alien, they just like breathe these weird flowers and then Sure. Yeah. Her dead. Yeah. I think they should have blown up twenty two thousand years earlier. Um, because my <laughs> my my pitch for the ending is that like everything we've seen is that uh, what's the name of the tech company? Um, Bash. Bash's technology is the the exact same kind of like consumer technology that we experience today. So it's all kind of designed to fail in one way or another. And 
I think that the the starship should have taken off and then should have promptly been struck by a piece of comet and crashed back to Earth. <laughs> yeah, if the if the comet drills didn't work, why did why the did the spaceship work? and, and twenty two thousand year old arc work? Well, and who who would have launched that arc for them? Who are they yeah. leaving behind? Who's willing to take one for the boss and his rich friends? Um, I think that the ship should have taken off and then it should have been struck by a piece of comet and started to careen out of control. And then we could have cut to people inside freaking out and asking uh, Peter Isherwell to fix it and him be like, I don't know how to fix stuff. I'm a visionary. And then they crash and then they mm-hmm. also yeah. die on Earth where they should have died with everyone else. Yeah. That's. That's my pitch for how the villains should have gotten their comeuppance. But I mean, being eaten by an alien monster is still pretty funny. Yeah, still fun, fun a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. Uh, I think it's fine. I would. I would have just been. Just, I was actually expecting them to, to get smacked by an asteroid. To be honest with you, so I was a bit surprised when they. I was like, they're actually getting away. This. This is horrible. <laughs> and I think it's for that reason we said is so that at least it ends on this like you know naked Meryl Streep getting eaten by an alien. It has some levity to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One other thing that was kind of missing for me from the ending is I really would have liked to have caught up with more of the secondary characters that we meet throughout. Like, I want to find out what happened to Kate X. I want to find out what happened to the the New York Herald people who dismissed their story because it wasn't getting enough clicks. I want to find out mm-hmm. what happened to the celebrity couple that threw the the concert. Like I wanted to revisit. So I wanted to find out what happened to the general that stiffed them. Like I would have liked <laughs> to have revisited all those all those people in their final moments and seen what they were up to as well, not just the news team and a handful of of other people. That's a fair point. I forgot that. Yeah, they they drop the ex boyfriend pretty quickly. The yeah. second he like throws her under the bus, that's the last we hear of him. And I would have liked to have um, seen what he was doing in those final minutes after having like squandered six months chasing clicks. Like, yeah. Same with that army general. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of a lot of side characters just, just get or forgotten. or the the director of NASA who you know was left behind. She did not make it onto that arc. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just I would have liked to have caught up with more of them. I think that there was time that the movie could have devoted to at, as the, as the comet was crashing to showing us what they're doing in their final minutes as well. I have a, I have a question for you guys and uh, it's just uh, the reason I'm asking it. Cause I'm, I'm just wondering if I was watching the movie bad. Um, <laughs> Dr. Minnie's relationship to his wife. Um, did it, it seemed like a, a happy relationship at first. Is it, um, do, do I remember that correctly? Like, was there any sort of like indication that it was um, a fraught relationship for any particular reason? No, I no, I read I, it as a dude who's kind of having a midlife crisis and a level of celebrity at the same time. Like he's away from his family in DC doing all this work. He's getting older. He's, yeah he's maybe a little bored with his relationship. And I think that was kind of hinted at a little bit. And um, suddenly he's the, he's America's sexiest scientist. He's on all the TV programs and this rich, famous uh, television producer is openly flirting with him. And he makes a bad decision in the moment because he's kind of swept up in it. That's kind of how I, I read that. And it was, it was a believable failure on his part for me. To to have to have I, I, been I in a happy relationship like, and screwed it up because yeah. it, it's because it's the short sighted thing and he's he's falling in with the short sighted people right oh yeah I, I'm fully on board for that 
that arc and you were talking about i just i just day. felt i just, yeah i just i just don't know if it maybe if it would have worked a, a, a tiny bit better if we had a little bit more time uh with the with the wife and and dr mindy just so that uh, sorry i don't remember the wife's character name at all um but the the like it, it just felt like when they June. when they finally do like start making out um Kate Blanchett and Leonardo DiCaprio it's like it, it it felt slightly out of left field for me um and I know I realized that, like she's rubbing his leg or whatever during one of the the telecasts like right before that but like I still wasn't like like I, I took Leonardo DiCaprio's reaction to it to to be like because he, he's kind of like a scared wiener Mm-hmm. And like he still seemed like a scared wiener there. I didn't like. I just it, it it read to me like he he wouldn't react to he wouldn't push her away because he's too afraid to because he's that much of a he's that much of a kind of nervous wreck nervous coward. So when he does make out with her, it, it I was kind of like oh okay, and then it and it felt like he went from um zero to a hundred uh buying into the the bullshit really quickly and i just i there's something about that flow that didn't work as well as i would like it to like it um i just would have i think i would have appreciated kind of like a more maybe a little bit more subtle build of it and um and maybe some more foreshadowing of it you feel like maybe there's a there's a plot point missing somewhere in there yeah, or even some, just more early on establishment of a great relationship with his wife, because they don't show you much of what him and his wife are like together before she starts. Even before the the newscaster gets involved, she's like, "Hey, pal, you've been on the internet all day. I'm gonna go for a walk. You want to go for a walk?" And you're like, but "I'm that's not going for a walk." I'm foreshadowing. Here. That's foreshadowing the way their relationship is going because yeah. she's still invested and he's more interested in being online and talking to his followers. And yep. that shows the direction that he's going and how sure, he's pulling right, away yeah, from her. That's right, the foreshadowing yeah. right there. Right? I'm just, I guess I'm saying I want to see more of what came before that of yeah, just them being happy together so that we had the contrast. That's fair. That's yeah. that's reasonable. Either that or the or that we get we get a bit more um of a sense that they're struggling, like like so many of us are. I mean, they are sort of that avatar for the for the average person as well in this movie. So, you know, if they're not necessarily struggling just uh, in their relationship wise, but if there's some, you know, conflict between them, you know, just in trying to make ends meet or or trying to raise their boys in the best way, something like that could you know you add that subtle little bit of tension doesn't mean that they have to be uh, in a poor relationship they can be in a in a good relationship but still you know struggling a little bit and then that turn later on um makes a little bit more sense mm-hmm. like this is it's this is honestly pretty minor like most yeah, of, like i'm not <laughs> this reminds me of um when we did Die Hard 2 and I spent most of that episode like not really wanting to change anything because I thought it was fine you know this is kind of how I feel about this one I will say I will say that I think Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence are both very good in this movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. actually I think all the cast is really good I don't think there's anybody who who falls flat in this there are definitely yeah, some people no. who are playing more obnoxious than others, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I would normally I would criticize the over the top 
uh, performances, but like I, it's just it's just a part of the movie. Like it's just it's it's it's, it's just I what it's, it's laying down. Like you have, can't you take completely you, rational? Yeah, characters if you take that if you take ones. that out, you kind of start missing the point. Yeah. Um, which is again why more the other the only other one fix I have is is again um, uh, it, it's not a small detail, but it has nothing to do with like character or beats or anything. But one one thing that stuck out to me near the end. Uh, it's revealed that I think it's like Russia, India, China, um, Russia, India, EU. China, and what's the what's that? Russia, India, China, and the EU, and the EU all make their own attempt to blow the comet up, and then something malfunctions and they fail to do so, um, which then leads to like, well, now our only hope is this Bash Enterprise thing, uh, which then fails and everyone dies, um. The the turn of like we're gonna blow this comet up, wait, cancel the mission, there's money to be made. Um I think is such a pervasive problem across the world that rarely will you hear me go to bat for America, but like it we seems weird to pin it on an Ameri- like one American company and the puppet president they have. And so I would Go ahead, Scott, before I get into it. But. Oh, I was, I was just going to counterpoint that uh, it's very clear that the president... Just, like, damning uh, and provocative. That's the word I'm thinking. If right at the zero hour before India goes to launch their own version of the, of the diversion tactic, Bash cuts them a deal and gives them some of the mining rights, because, like... China, India, the EU, Russia, they're all just as bad for when it like if this is a big climate change allegory, they're all just as bad. Like they're all equally uh, a problem. It's the global north. Like everyone in the global north is responsible for climate change. Um, And so having them get cut into the money deal at the end instead of just oops, it failed, um, I think just would have like driven the point home a little better. I think it's kind of telling, though, that um, part of the story is that the the USA has the best chance to stop this early on and mm-hmm. uh, very nearly succeeds and then pulls the plug at the at almost literally the last second because there's money to be made. And then the best efforts of everyone else fails because of that. I think that that's kind of that kind of ties into it as well because if fair if the if the one major global superpower is not doing the thing it doesn't really matter what everyone else is doing i guess just like at this point in history china has just as good a chance to stop a a comet as america does if anything i would have loved to have seen all the global north buy into this let's mine it instead thing (laughs) and have all the, the like you know, Cuba and Chile are trying their best to like cobble together a, a an aversion tactic, and it fails because they have no resources. Because the 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 global superpowers, China, Russia, U.S., have colluded against them. Um, I just I just thought it was weird that like America's the only ones with their heads up their ass. And if this is a climate change analogy, unfortunately, America is not the only ones with their heads up their ass. And I will. I, I think because you're, I think that because you're coming at it from a heads. from a Canadian perspective, that criticism certainly yeah. makes sense. I think I think when you're when you think about this being an American movie uh, centered on Americans and 
and centered on specifically their their most recent issues with um you know telling the truth and facts and things like that like it i i think it makes sense that they are the most at fault um fair partly partly because they you know because of the view of that country that they're the the shining city on the hill for democracy and stuff like that and to have to sit through this movie where um they are failing spectacularly um willfully i i think is is probably a little bit more poignant for americans than maybe it is for us you know i don't know there's i to kind of piggyback on on that greg there's also the fact that because it's made by americans uh and it's about as you say recent american problems um there's there's the perception that the rest of the world doesn't like them because of this exact attitude and so framing it that way by showing them being at their worst and the rest of the world being like the hell i think is kind of part of the point sure but I mean, we fair, just, like, it's almost, still a fair statement. We just keep like we go introducing edits and then walking them, finding reasons to walk <laughs> them back. <laughs> it's like we're it's like we're dissecting the movie as we go, and we keep finding a new thing. Oh, look at this! Look at this kidney! Oh no, it's whole. That's a that's a load bearing plot point. Oh, it's dear. like I was saying, it's like a Jenga tower. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> well, and and you've pointed out even yourself, Liam, that there's a lot of foreshadowing in the early part of the movie that all pay it all pays off later on. It's it's actually a pretty intricately plotted film mm-hmm. and the, it, there was some thought put into like this this ties into this later and this foreshadows this later and this pays off this from way back when and I mean I appreciate that 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 makes for a good mm-hmm. script overall and makes it hard to nitpick <laughs> yeah. It sure, yeah sure it does it also a lot of the a lot of the plot points like the big plot points um are kind of simple like what would happen like it's pretty on the like people keep saying it's like so on the nose it's like yeah if a comet was six months away it would kill us all <laughs> and <laughs> we would like yeah, we're we, all this absurd wouldn't be, idiots this wouldn't be armageddon <laughs> yeah yeah there's no <laughs> yeah it, it, you know it's it's a movie that's um you know just sort of trying to grapple with the idea that not everything is going to be okay. And I think all of us are trying to wrap our heads around that to one degree or another. And uh, maybe that's why it puts so many people off um, yeah. because that's, it, it's definitely not a nice thing to think about. Um, you know, the- <laughs> that's why Facebook has that button that says I'm in this picture and I don't like it. I, <laughs> I've seen a lot of people compare this movie to Dr. Strangelove and it makes me wonder like so far removed from when Dr. Strangelove came out. And I, I honestly haven't really looked into it. How was that movie received in its time? Because it's, it's mm. very much in the same wheelhouse where it's like, not everything might be okay. And the people who are in charge, who we're expecting to protect us, are very deeply stupid and probably <laughs> can't if something goes, if one thing goes wrong. And um, that's kind of the same, like, I see, I see the comparison between that yeah. movie and this one. And so I'm wondering, like, 10, 15 years down the road, will people be looking back much more favorably on this movie than they are right now, where it's deeply polarizing? Do people... 
did people at the time think Doctor Strangelove was a little on the nose and a little fatalistic and not really to their taste? Because Doctor Strangelove <laughs> yeah, is a I very wonder. is a very funny movie and deeply dark and disturbing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I um, I can't remember who I was talking to, um, but I was I was talking to someone about um, the comparison to uh, Doctor Strangelove, and and they had said that like. Doctor Strange Love was made in a less absurd time, and I, at first I was like, "Yeah, that's fair." And then I started to think about it, and I was like, "Was it <laughs> though?" Like, I mean, at the time, like you're thinking about, like you know, people were living with sort of the same existential crisis that we are now, where um, you know we've got um, any number of uh, potentially world-ending crises, uh, you know, staring us dead in the eyes. And that was sort of the same in, in the 50s and 60s, obviously, with the with the nuclear proliferation, right? Um, and, then, and, of course, you had the Red Scare and stuff like that. So there was, like, a lot of, like, deeply polarizing politics going on at the same time and, and people um, being uh, accused of being traitors and stuff like that. And just, like, it, you know, in some ways, it's like, is it really, was it really that much more absurd? Um, and, and I guess like my conclusion is like, maybe not too much, but, um, you know, it's hard to say, <laughs> I guess you have to ask a boomer to, to, to be sure. Yeah. I'm, I thought I could Google Dr. Strange love reviews from 1964 and get a glimpse of it to answer this question. <laughs> in yeah, there are, podcast time, they they have those on, they have those on Metacritic, right? You can find those on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I, did, I, mean, I, I found one. No, I did find a variety one, but I'm like, oh, I can't read a whole movie review while yeah. podcasting. So this doesn't help me. Um, <laughs> but that's just a really good question. I hadn't thought of that, Scott. I like that. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I, I, could be it could have been there could have been rave reviews for it when it came out it's a stanley kubrick movie starring peter sellers like um but uh this is an adam mckay movie starring dicaprio yeah it's maybe so maybe history will be kind to it who's to who's to say were our listeners kind to it yeah let's uh i i I love i loved the comments to this one reading reading your comments because uh yeah divisive indeed uh, of course, if you want us to read and discuss your comments submitted by you, please follow us on uh, Twitter at I Have Some Notes, on Instagram at I Have Some Notes Pod, and uh, don't use Facebook. Um, but if you do, look up I Have Some Notes and follow us <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> I just want to say one quick thing before you get started on the, sure. on the comments. Um, I curated these a little bit. We got a lot of responses mm-hmm. to this movie. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry if your comment didn't make the cut. There was just, just way too much good stuff. So I couldn't fit everything. Valid. Um, so, but don't let that stop you for next time. Cause there's other movies we do where we're like, please someone comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The next time we do splash or something like yeah, that. Does anyone have thoughts on dungeons and dragons? Um, <laughs> Did anyone see it? Uh, at Dima says, I think it could have been more on the nose. Could it uh, have? Which I'm going to assume was said with irony. Um, uh, so, but it, it was very on the nose. But again, I every time I've seen that criticism come up, I go to bat that like that's the point yeah, that you it's... can you can one to one this with climate change and COVID, and it's like this movie does in six months what we all have done for the last three decades and will for the next one. It's a feature, not a bug. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> on the no- the on the nose satire is the point, in my opinion. 
Um, but obviously some folks uh, disagreed, uh, both Dima and other critics. And uh, yeah, let's see what else, uh, let's see what other comments we have here. Braden Young says, some parts were good, some were okay. I felt the climax could have been a little better, but DiCaprio was a highlight for sure. He's good. He gets to do yeah. his yelling thing, uh, which is always when DiCaprio's at his best, when he just like screams and freaks out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a huge uh like I like DiCaprio when he's in a movie. He's not like a draw for me, but I'm never like, oh this fucking guy. Um but he's also not really a, a draw. Um has he ever played like a like a wormy loser? Or is he always some version of like a confident cool guy? He's played a variety of roles over the years and nothing's admittedly jumping to mind but i, I like other than obviously like gilbert great but he was like 14 yeah so i feel like he count. must have at some point because he's done a lot yeah put we've put us on the spot because <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't i cannot think of one like i'm going through any dicaprio movie i can think of and it's like he's he's not a wormy put upon loser um yeah. Too often. So, yeah. I will say Wolf of Wall Street demonstrated to me that Leonardo DiCaprio had comedic chops that I didn't expect. And mm-hmm. he brings some of that to bear here. Uh, and yep. I I appreciated that. I, I actually, I really liked him in this movie. And I really liked his Same. character in this movie. At I Hate Your Taste says, surprising. Not because Leo isn't always good, but because it was a different kind of role for him. And I didn't expect it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Case in point. <laughs> we were just discussing that. Uh, Chris says, I just don't think that the world needed a gritty reboot of Up right now. (laughs) I don't think this could be a more opposite movie than Up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Levi Breederland says, well, I enjoyed it. I felt like the political caricaturing was a bit heavy handed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's the same thing that we've sort of talked about the almost the entire show. Yeah. That's I like I totally understand why this movie put people off even even though um i think that the movie was ultimately making the right choices um i i get why there's frustration with it um and if you didn't like it don't worry that's fine (laughs) like you're you're not out to lunch you know if it's you know if it was just a bit too much to take that's that's understandable i mean if you i feel like if you didn't like this movie I want you to like stop and really ask yourself: Did you not like it because the the um, performances were too hammy, or you didn't like it because it's a stark reminder that we're more or less doomed unless we all <laughs> get our shit together yesterday? Um, I feel like you know, <laughs> if, if you know, and if you dig deep and you're like, no, hammy acting, I stand by it. Then so be it. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Olav Rockney says, seemed a little overly optimistic in its outlook, needed more cynicism. Yeah, Olav uh, saw the the beautiful humanity in the final scene with uh, Dr. Mindy and Kate and the and the family and uh, and Dr. Oglethorpe and was like, no, that's way too uplifting. Herman <laughs> <laughs> of the Modern Manhood podcast says, it's kind of good. That's it. J-Law was too much for me. Jonah Hill was the funniest character. I would uh, be inclined to agree with that. Um, I don't know. The commentary was just so heavy-handed that it's hard to judge characters' actions accordingly, honestly. It was fun, though. I did ask him about that. His comment on uh, on J Law. I was asking him if uh, if if J Law is just too much for him in this movie because I felt like she's 
pretty subdued in this movie at the most yeah. part. Um, he, uh, he said that like, he just doesn't, yeah, he's not just not a fan in general. So that's, that's where that comment comes from. That's fair. Uh, clerk says, I think they failed to tell all the truth, but tell it slant. I'm not sure. Have you heard that expression before? Is that like an idiom I'm not familiar with? I'll look it up. You got me. I'll, uh, I'll, I'm not, I'm not taking this again for audio or editing reasons. I'll just say it again so that everyone can follow along here with Clerk's comment. Uh, I think they failed to quote, tell all the truth, but tell it slant. I felt bored most of the time and obviously very on the nose. That being said, Ari's performance of Just Look Up deserves a Grammy. Big fan of Ariana Grande. Mm-hmm. So that was a nice touch. The like the the Live Aid looking yeah thing at the end. It's uh so tell all the truth, tell it slant is an Emily Dickinson poem, uh, mm. kind of talking about you should tell the truth, but you should come at it from like another angle because the actual truth is is a little too much for most people to handle. So you kind of want to sneak it in from the side, whereas this movie's just kind of right up in your face about it. I think that's kind of where Clerk is coming from. Uh, ah, that's fair. Cool. Well, I didn't didn't know that idiom, and uh, I'm going to have to disagree. I think they nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> but also, thank you for getting me hip to that uh, little uh, nugget of wisdom from, you said Emily Dickinson? Emily Dickinson. Sweet. Cinematological, uh, our friend Robin over at Cinematological says, prime example of why you can't satirize the absurd would have been better with jokes needed more banal evil and less mustache twirling that's kind um, of a fair observation and that, my knee-jerk reaction was that the bad guys in the movie the president the tech billionaire are a little too a little too nakedly evil <laughs> and maybe like uh maybe them being a little more subdued in their evil would have played better but the more I dwelt on it and just talking with you guys, the more I'm like, no, I think the point was that they're supposed to be uh, obnoxious. Yeah. They're supposed to be over the top. They're supposed to be so nakedly on the face, selfish, narcissistic, and short-sighted that anyone with two brain cells should see it, and yet people are willfully ignorant of it. I mean, like today we're recording this on January sixth. So, like, you know, this is the anniversary <laughs> of, of, you know, the the storm on on the on the Capitol, and like to this day, there are Republicans who are talking about how it wasn't really a coup and stuff like that. And it oh. is the kind of thing where it's like it's it it couldn't be more obvious what it was. So you're just yeah. like there were sh- yes, pre- <laughs> the president went went uh, up today. And delivered a speech about how it was a terrible blemish in American history. And there were Republicans who were decrying him for politicizing it. And it's like, how do you, how do you politicize an attempted coup? (laughs) Like, it's already political. What is, yeah. Ah! (laughs) Same with like, same with the the comment of like, there uh, would have been better with jokes. And like, I'll admit that there's, there's not like Anchorman style jokes in this. But just, just the like the moment when she goes home and her parents don't unlock the door and they're like, uh, "No politics. We're we're ha- we're excited for the jobs the comet will create." <laughs> I I died laughing. I'm like, that's that's where we're at right now. That would, like you would have to go home and deal with that. I don't know. I thought I thought there were jokes in there. They just weren't. I, I, glass I cage I, of emotion. Yeah, the, there drinking. definitely was a lack of like knee slapping jokes, but that doesn't mean that the movie didn't have a lot of levity to it. And yeah. and like that's 
that's more or less enough. Like it doesn't, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't need to be, I don't need to be rolling on the floor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that was, uh, those were our comments. Thank you everyone who contributed. This is a good one, gang. I, uh, I think that's the, this is what you look for in a movie is like stuff to discuss. Yeah. We, bad. I don't it's, know that we necessarily had a lot of fixes for this movie, but we definitely had a lot to talk about, about this movie. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the most important thing. That's <laughs> not makes good radio, right? <laughs> Maybe a little shy on the premise of the show. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, this, uh, uh, movies like this, um, I, I, I think, um, you know, as I get older, like this is the kind of stuff that I really appreciate way more. Um, you know, I'm still kind of a nerd at heart and I love, I love my sci-fi and I, and I love my action movies and my, and you know, my comic characters and all that kind of he's, stuff. But he's loving like, his new Boba Fett show. <laughs> no, I'm not watching yeah, Star, I think Wars Star Wars. Star Wars fan, but... <laughs> I think Greg Beaver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think I've kind of like oversaturated myself with sort of like the um, franchises and things like that. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm spending a lot more time now just kind of watching more random films and things that are like much more, um, much more different. And it's just like, just them being different on the face of it is, is often enough for me to enjoy it more just because I'm not yeah. watching the same garbage over and over again. Um, and, and, you know, a movie like, um, don't look up is it's, you know, it's not, it's not the type of film that, um, you know, it, would this be in the theaters? I don't know. Probably not. Right. Like it were, were theaters a major thing right now. Would it be in mm. the theaters? Maybe, maybe long enough to, uh, qualify for Oscars or something like that, but not, you know, not really. And it wouldn't, you know, it, it like, it's it, like, I said in the last episode where you, where these streaming services are kind of helping us get more of this type of stuff. These more, these more interesting films that are, that are not necessarily done on a, on a big budget basis, but they're, um, but they're tackling interesting sides of humanity. So I, like, I definitely, I definitely appreciate that a lot more. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to um, more streaming movies. Cause I actually think that's where most of the interesting stuff is happening. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I wonder if this maybe would have, I could like, it's weird. It, like I said, it, it broke Netflix records, but I wonder if maybe it would have flopped in the theaters. Like I entirely possible. You know, I, I don't really view this as necessarily like a, a, a popcorn affair and it doesn't mm-hmm. have like, I don't think Adam McKay is a particularly stylized or visual director. Like he doesn't really, mm-hmm. I don't really enjoy it on <laughs> his films on that level. Uh, so I, there's not really much of a purpose or reason for me to watch this movie in the theater. It's not a spectacle movie. Yeah, that's fair. I just more meant like would would some of the weird press and and discussions around it have tainted their ability to sell tickets versus I already gave you my Netflix. I, I think bucks, it, I think so it doesn't yeah. have Spider Man in it, so it probably wouldn't do very well. <laughs> there is always that Ed Wood crowd who will go out to watch a movie that's getting terrible reviews because they have to see it for themselves. And I think one of the reasons why it's breaking Netflix right now is because. It's been getting polarized reviews and a lot of people are like, well, I think I have to see that for myself. And Mm -hmm. 
Like, granted, I I will give you that that's probably helped by the fact that people are already paying for Netflix anyway, so it's not costing them anymore. But I don't know. I think I think it would have drawn some people out to the theaters to hear that uh, that it was getting like that it had people who were like, this is a really good movie, and people who were like, this was just absolutely grating, totally obnoxious, absolute dreck. I think <laughs> I think there would be people who would be interested. I think I'm much more pessimistic than you. Right? I would. I think it would have been an well, the, absolute flop. The new Matrix movie has been getting polarizing reviews, and it yeah. seems to be doing pretty well. So, yeah, Granted, I mean, it's a, it's, it's like got the, so much it's different the Matrix, because it's though. a franchise affair, yeah. right? Like it just it has that built-in audience. You know, I don't think Adam McKay has that. Aud- he's not like a yeah, uh, a, a you know a, a um, Christopher Nolan where he just like yeah. has managed to build his own audience. But does the cast? have that kind of audience would people turn out to see leonardo oh, dicaprio and jennifer lawrence I, I mean i'm sure some people would but like i don't know like the 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 star powered I, I don't think it moves I, like ip seems to be the thing that really moves these days sales these days yeah. rather than stars right. like it, yeah when I, we were when we were growing up certainly it was it was different you could you could throw a star in any fucking thing and people would go see it yeah, you know? if, it if like, you had arnold schwarzenegger headlining people yeah. would would line up around the block to see your movie yeah. yeah i think about when we did detective pikachu and i'm like i don't know why you need ryan reynolds in here you've already got pikachu like it's already infinitely <laughs> yeah, more famous exactly. than Ryan Reynolds. Like, what do you? Yeah. So yeah, IP IP is uh, is king. Um, which I'm sure is uh, foreshadowing for whatever the next movie we're gonna do is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my so, uh, Um, uh, but until uh, until then, um. Please uh, continue to follow us on social media, uh, wherever it is you're listening to this particular episode. Give us a little review, a little thumbs up, a star, whatever whatever bullshit button they want you to press. Uh, press it and subscribe, and it, it does help us, and we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you know, presidents don't always start conspiracies to hide apocalyptic comets. Sometimes they do it for other reasons. And Greg, Andrew, and Charlie talk about that on It's a Conspiracy. You can check that out right now, along with all the other excellent podcasts at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We're back to our every two-week schedule. Uh, Keep an eye out on our social media feeds for an upcoming poll on what you want us to do for your next movie, or for our next movie. Uh, Until then, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the sky. No, don't look up, Greg. Oh, right, right. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. I'm Andrew Paul. And we're the hosts of The Well Endowed Podcast. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation, or ECF as we call it. ECF provides grants to charities through the endowment funds we create and manage with our donors. Hence the title of our show, The Well Endowed Podcast. Every month, we bring you a collection of stories and interviews with fascinating guests who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. Through these stories, we look at the space where endowments intersect with your communities. So if you're interested in the people and issues impacting your community, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com.